This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Welcome to Beyond the Arc here with Tate Frazier to discuss what was a pretty eventful night of NBA games, Tate. We saw the Knicks in the heat. New York extended that series. We'll talk about that a little bit later. And the Warriors heading back to San Francisco. They beat the Lakers 121-106 in Game 5, extend to a Game 6. Steph's got 27. Wiggins has 25. A great defensive performance. Wiggins on LeBron playing great defense all night. Peyton bottling up D'Lo right. and Lonnie Walker, the hero of Game 4. What was the driving factor in your eyes of this victory for the Warriors? I think you said it. I mean, Andrew Wiggins, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Wiggins was the star that was not the main star of last year's run, right? We all talked about Stephen Curry. He wins his finals MVP, right? Something that was elusive in his career that he needed. But Andrew Wiggins was the talking point. I mean, he was incredible against Tatum. Tatum last year was a top five player by most accounts, right? And Wiggins goes head-to-head with him. And then this year, he's not with the team for the majority of the year. He comes back for the playoffs. There's questions. What's he going to be like? This felt like the Andrew Wiggins we saw last year was in this game. Felt like he was connected. Felt like it, it was the version of him that you would like to see as a Warriors fan. And, you know, I saw the stat at the end of this game. Steph Curry leads the playoffs in fourth quarter points by... A mile, right? 109 fourth quarter <laughs> points. The next closest, I think, was 69 fourth cool. quarter points. So all he really needed was a number two. We saw Clay Thompson in game two step up, but Wiggins did tonight, and uh, that was the difference in the game, really. I mean, you say Wiggins needs a number two, right? Like mm-hmm. for the Lakers, the story of their playoff so far has been X Factor stepping up throughout, and then AD. You know, he's the number two to LeBron, but he's really he's been he's the like, number one, he's right? Really number one, and, yeah. And yet tonight. In the second half, he gets hit in the head. He's doozy, and he walks off the sideline. And then we see a report from Chris Haynes that he had to be escorted out on a wheelchair with a head injury for further evaluation. That was shortly after LeBron landed awkwardly. He was walking a bit gingerly with a foot injury or an ankle injury. You know, Lakers going back to L.A. for game six on Friday. 
Mm. And yet now we have these reports about AD, the, the the best number two, the true number one in the playoffs right now with Anthony Davis. He might actually be out, and, and that's bad news for L.A. And SVG caught it in the moment. He's like, if he goes into concussion protocol, which we hope he is not dealing with the concussion, yeah. and obviously this game just happened, but if he goes into protocol and happens to miss Friday – then the one surefire game that you're saying, okay, we're up 3-1, we go to the Bay, that's going to be a tough one, but maybe we can steal it. But if we don't, we come home and we close this series out. If you're an L.A. fan, that's that's your thought process. But you lose your 1A option in Anthony Davis. What does that look like? Can, can Lonnie Walker save the day again? He obviously did in Game 4, the 15-point performance. Um, he even went down gingerly. The good news is uh, LeBron had a nice putback dunk late in that game that kind of showed, hey, LeBron, fine, LeBron's yeah. going to be all right, right? I mean, he, he's kind of shown us that is his superhero trait, right? He is durable. Durability is his best ability at times. Um, Anthony Davis is the question. He is always the question with this team. And when he plays like the 1A, they're one of, if not the best team in the NBA. But without him, uh, it's a real big question mark. <laughs> I mean, they've been an absolute dominant force anytime he's on the floor. The issue yeah. is when he's not on the floor, they have a minus 10.3 net rating. Like Their defense completely falls apart. And, and even in this game, there were situations when he was on the floor and they had switched him on to Stephen Curry. Like When they did that, they have no backline defense. And it felt like Steph or anybody on the Warriors was just attacking the basket because AD was pulled out. So the Warriors have you know, two games in a row now, attacked AD, tried to bring him outside of the paint. So it's hurting them when he's on the floor a little bit. Um, and then tonight, if he's off the floor, I, you just have absolutely no hope at all. And I, I think if the Lakers are without Anthony Davis in game six, there's like a really strong chance like that we're heading back for a game seven in San Francisco on Sunday. I, I just I fail Which, to see how the Lakers could win without him. I mean, let's just say this. If it does happen where we get a game seven on Mother's Day, we go back to the Bay. I mean, the conversations about oh, the legacies man. and the you know the Mount Rushmores and the Pantheon, whatever kind of pyramids that you're creating of basketball excellence, right? Curry and LeBron will be a conversation, and that game seven will be almost like a weird deja vu to 2016, right? Where it was a 3-1 series. They go to the Bay. We get game seven. Um, and who knows? Maybe Curry can try to get rid of those demons from the past. We'll see. I mean, those demons being the fact that the Warriors blew a 3-1 lead to right. LeBron and his Cavs right. in, the, in the NBA Finals. Not the NBA Finals, yes, but it still course. would be a very significant still, series. I mean, in, w- in many ways, this feels like the Finals with the amount of adjustments we've seen every single game, like even in this series. And last game, the Lakers put Anthony Davis on Wiggins, and then suddenly they, they stopped having – Gary Payton was previously the guy screening for Stephen Curry because AD was the defending him in that game they you know they stops having Wiggins screen for Steph in this game they figured out okay we're gonna have Wiggins screen for Curry in that second half to pull AD out and they figured that out and at this point for the Lakers if they are without AD or even have a limited AD they need to have some of those other X factors step up tonight for the Warriors Kevon Looney played 20 minutes Awesome off the bench, attacking the glass like we saw in the last round. Against Great the on the offensive boards. I mean, he's unbelievable yeah. on that in that area. And it felt like the Warriors got more of that X-Factor help than the Lakers tonight. They didn't get a big performance from a D'Lo mm-hmm. or a Rui. Schroeder had 14 points, but nobody really popped like we've seen throughout the entire playoffs from them. And if with a limited AD or a no AD, like they need that from LeBron 
and multiple others. And I think for the Lakers here, uh, that's what you're going to be banging on. Yeah, and D'Lo, we saw in game three, he opened up with three straight threes, right? I mean, it was just like, okay, well, this guy came to play, and they were doubling AD to open that game. And when he hit those shots, it kind of opened up everything for the Lakers. I think Schroeder is the one that I that I kind of point to, and it's not his offense, it's his defense. Oh, yeah. I think what he's done to Steph Curry, picking him up full court, he's kind of wreaked some havoc in that sense. And He's an agitator, right? That is the best way to describe Schroeder in this series, and I think he's going to be a factor at home. Tate, are we getting a Game 7? I think so. I mean, why Why not if you're the NBA? Why not? <laughs> I mean, this is great television. I don't know what the ratings are, KOC, but they got to be high because uh, oh, I'm locked sure. in. And like you said, we're we're watching all these matchups. Mm-hmm. We're watching all this coaching, all the, all these, you know, kind of like sleight of hands, um, all this leaked information. We saw Steve Kerr was upset about Shams getting the starting lineup. Like, <laughs> I, love, I love the gamesmanship that's going on in this series. I need seven. Give me seven. Uh, a great scoop there for, by FanDuel's yeah, Shams Sharani. Yeah. <laughs> this has definitely been the best series, so – We'll we'll be back after the break talking about some of the others. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, File a claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Welcome back to Beyond the Arc Tape. We saw another game on Wednesday night with the Knicks over home court. They beat the Heat. Now they're going to be going to Miami for game six with a 112-103 win. Jalen Brunson, outstanding, 38 points, 12 of 22, 10 made free throws, 9 rebounds, 7 assists, only 1 turnover. In 48 minutes, classic Tom Thibodeau, he played Brunson and Quentin Grimes for all 48 minutes in the game. First time that happened, they said this on the broadcast, since Walt Frazier and Jerry Lucas both played 48 minutes back in 1972. Brunson was unbelievable, man. I I, I think there's not a lot of adjustments in this one. Uh, but the big one was just riding your best players for 48 minutes. What did you think? Which is the Tom Thibodeau strategy, right? <laughs> I mean, this is what Tibbs does. I uh, I was happy for Brunson because, you know, we remember a couple years ago, 2021, Derrick Rose, they won one game, They you know, in, in that series against the Hawks. But, boy, was it a magical game, right? I mean, you know, D. Rose had 27 points, and it felt like, man, if the Magic could just, you know, if the MSG could get the Magic of that moment again, then we're really cooking with the Knicks. I think Brunson kind of delivered. He wasn't going to lose in front of the home crowd there in MSG. Did all he could to help them win this game. Yeah. I really liked Grimes' defense. Uh, at one point in this game, he kind of banged knees on a screen, and then Jimmy Butler shot clock's going down, but then he still swipes and gets a steal despite having that injury. Oh, that was all, what a play! Right, that was. and yeah. also a very Tibbs play, right? Yeah. Where Tibbs like you know he that like warmed his heart, right? And it was especially like forty-seven minutes in or something like that. Of too. course, yeah. of course, and obviously like he hobbled up the court after that so um, I thought Brunson and Grimes were great in this game I thought Robinson was great on the boards and just in general it was nice to see the Knicks kind of um, handle their business right you're supposed to win this game by all intents and purposes and they got it done and I I felt like in this game you know the Knicks they had a lead pretty much throughout a lot of portions of the game the the Heat were punching back though I mean they had Duncan Robinson going off from three shout out to Duncan Robinson Uh, hitting some big shots I mean after riding the bench you know for most of the season doing a lot of podcasting but now he's finally back on the court and producing and I feel like he's 
he's better as a ball handler. He's improved. Uh, it's as if like some that maybe getting those getting that those minutes taken away has allowed him that time to say, okay, well, what can I do to re-earn those minutes? So good for him doing that. And Jimmy Butler did more Jimmy Butler things throughout the game. So now they're heading back to Miami, mm. and Miami's got a chance to close this out to head to the Eastern Conference Finals. These are two tough, gritty teams, very similar in that sense. Knicks need to win, you know, three in a row. Now two more. Mm. What's your faith level in the Knicks to extend this to a seven? Well, like you said, they're very tough teams, and Tibbs is a very tough coach. I don't think it's going to be easy for Miami, but going back down to South Beach and uh, you know, getting in that building, getting the environment on their side, I just think that Miami's the better team. I really do. I think they have the better coach. I think they have the better star. Um, I wish Randall was more clicked in than he seemingly is at the moment. Um, he had some moments in this game, obviously, um, but Brunson is really the star. You know, he's really yeah. the one that's kind of carrying the flag for this Knicks team. And uh, in general, I think Jimmy Butler will hand, handle business. He knows what he's doing. He's kind of forecasting for the future. And if you ask, you know, Spolstra, Pat Riley, anybody that's in the the Miami Heat culture chamber that they have there, where they get everybody ready for games, I think they're fired up for the Eastern Conference Finals. And I think it starts after Game Six. I'm picking the Knicks and extend the seven. Let's okay. go. Let's what? go. Let's I like where your head's Let's at. Go. Let's just go to Let's seven go. games. Let's go. Let's Who cares? Let's Why make not? it happen, yeah. Adam Silver. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. I know what I know what our boy Stern would do. We need seven. <laughs> I'm not as sure though in the Sixers Celtics series mm. on Tuesday night. Bill Simmons hits me up saying, "Let's pod tonight." Those Celt- are the best texts to get. So, yes, they are, especially because the Celtics were playing that night. Right. Unfortunately for Bill, it ended up being a very dark podcast because mm. the Sixers went up. Three to two in the series with another win on the road. Uh, been a disappointment series for Boston with some of the games that they have dropped. I mean, like Philadelphia has been outstanding. Harden and Harden stepping up on offense as a scorer and playmaker, and Bead looking healthy. PJ Tucker doing the stuff he's done for years with Milwaukee and Houston and Miami. At this point in the series, if you look at the FanDuel sportsbook odds right now, the Sixers are currently the favorites in the Eastern wow. Conference. Do you agree with that, Tate? Up 3-2 right now. Are they the favorites in the East? I have a hard time trusting the Sixers to do, like I mentioned, the, the, the Knicks tonight, they handled business. This is what you're supposed to do at home. I still have a weird, in the back of my mind, are we sure we can trust the Sixers to do what they're supposed to do? I worry about that. Um, I've seen Doc Rivers with 3-1 leads at times. and blown a lot of them. Well, it's not to point out, look, I mean, they're magic. I mean, they're going up against a good team. There's there's always the actual circumstances at but play. But he's blown three 3-1 three leads, I know. three 3-2 three, leads, six total if you right. want to include right. the 3 one. And there's nuance <laughs> to all those issues, yes. but it still comes down to the fact where I've seen this you know, movie play out before and the Boston Celtics two days prior, they were the favorite to win the NBA championship. Mm-hmm. So obviously the odds shifted a Things bunch. change a bunch very quickly. Right, very quickly. And Harden, the, the playmaking, the fact that this guy is basically a guaranteed 10 assists, it feels like, going into these games, that's impressive. Ma- Maxi showed that he is the Maxi that we have seen in the regular season in this past game, scoring 30 on the road. Thought that was impressive. So... I want to buy into the Sixers, but for some reason, KOC, and you know, hopefully Doc proves me wrong, but I still feel like Boston could win this game. I think Boston still get a shot as well, but Philly is, Philly's figured some things out. Yeah, uh, I think with Boston, it's going to come down a lot to what adjustments does Missoula make. 
of which he has not made many in the series. But also, you can't just put this on the coach. The players need to perform better, too. And I'd look at Jason Tatum. You know, in the series, his numbers on the surface, averaging 27 points, 11 rebounds, 5 assists. It's not like he's, you know, stinking out there. But I, I just I feel like there's still another level for Tatum to reach as a score. He's shooting only 30.6% from three in the postseason. And I have a stat for you here, Tatum. This is, this is whole season numbers here. Tatum on pull-up three-pointers according to Second Spectrum. In 2020, 39.6% on pull-up threes. In 2021, 36.7%. In 22, 33.7%. This season, 29.6%. The 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 skill that helped elevate him into, oh, this guy's going to be a megastar, mm-hmm. has declined in each of the last four seasons. And I think that's manifesting here in the postseason where that shot is just not what's making him an elite efficiency, high-volume scorer that the true best players in the postseason are. And I think that's where Tatum ha- has to figure out that perimeter game in ways that he just feels like he's lost it. Yeah, and uh, you know when I watch Tatum, I appreciate the amount of strength that he has put on. I think he has put—he's gotten his body in a position to physically handle the wear and tear of not only an 82-game season but the 16 games totally. that, that would be ahead that you need to win to go win an NBA Still championship. Still a very high-level player, despite right. this criticism. I yes. like what he's done physically, but I worry, like you said, when you're trending downward at that type of level. Is that impacting that? Is it impacting mm-hmm. your shot? Is it impacting some of the skill, right? So you're building up the force, but is it impacting the skill? Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's one-to-one, but in general, that would be like the first place my mind goes. And, you know, you asked about this series. The best player in this series is obviously the MVP and Embiid. And I think if you just go for the, the layman approach to this, you say, well, the Sixers had the best player. They might have the second best player in Harden, the way he's playing, so I would assume that the guy, the team with the yeah. two best players, is going to go ahead and win this series. But Tatum and you know this team, the connectedness of this team has always been something to marvel at, and it feels like they're a little off for whatever reason. I don't know what it is. I know Brown was talking about he needs to demand more touches and things like that. It just seems like it's not quite connected as it was a year ago. It, it does not seem like it was the same level of connectedness last year, which is much different than than the other conference. The Nuggets go up 3-2 over the Suns, and they are now not just the West Finals favorites, but the NBA Finals favorites. Wow. I asked you the same question about the Sixers. Do you agree that the Nuggets are the favorites to win it all? Why not? I mean, I uh, I continue to watch the Nuggets, and I continue to try to talk myself out of the Nuggets. Um, as to reasons why they shouldn't be the favorites. But you look at the record, they were the best team in the West. Um, They continue to live up to that. And I like the way that Jokic seemingly has taken some sort of, you know, we joke about the Jordan, we take it personally. He seems like he took a lot of the commentary about him being a regular season player pretty personally. (laughs) Um, And he's playing lights out right now. I mean, you can't really ask for anything more from him. And I still, and I think I said this to you when we had Van on, but I think that they have the best fourth option in the playoffs in Michael Porter junior where you have a guy who's your fourth option but he could also get you 40 points 35 points 30 points whatever it may be in any given night depending on the amount of shots he's given that's how talented he is and I feel like Michael Porter Jr. is the kind of guy that could swing a series especially like in the Western Conference Finals where if they match up against the Warriors the Lakers and who's guarding Jokic on those two teams obviously you talk about Looney but AD that'll be a tough matchup do you have the fouls to deal with Jokic and also the playmaking of Jokic this guy gets rebounds and then brings the ball up to court and starts the break himself I mean he is unique 
and his passing is uncanny. I mean, it really is. It's one of one. It's it's very special. I mean, that's the thing with Denver this year is they have a lot of that great depth where you talk about Porter is the best fourth option. Yeah. Jokic is the only only all-NBA guy on that roster. Boston is the only team with all-NBA ballots being revealed that had two players make the 15 best guys for the 22-23 season. We saw SGA make first team for Oklahoma City this year. Jalen Brown got second team, which means he's going to get his big payday. $295 million, right? Oh, my goodness. Wow. That is a heck of a lot of money for Jalen He can get Brown. a house in Boston for that, I think. <laughs> I'm sure he can get multiple houses Yeah, right. He get a couple, yeah. To. Dame made it for, for third team, you know, with big numbers despite the losing this year. You know, Tatum and Brown both make it. You know, we'll see if they can actually capitalize on that as two great talents in the in the in the series against the Sixers. But Tate, with these All NBA teams, what has stood out the most to you with the 15 guys who ended up making it, or the guys who didn't actually make it? Yeah, I mean, the the first thing that jumps out to me is you know, two guys on the first team aren't even in the playoffs, right? As yeah. we are in the postseason right now, that that's pretty shocking, and that's not to take away from Luca's season. Obviously, a first team level season. SGA was incredible at times. He was a top five player in the NBA. Obviously, he is because he's first team All NBA. But still, you see that, and you're like, oh, that's that's interesting. Um, you know, Curry being right there, nipping on their heels. I probably personally may have put Curry first team just because of the fact but then you look at the games right and I think that's another facet of this that's that's really interesting you know there's a new rule the CBA put in that you have to play 65 games to qualify for an all NBA team and there's guys that are on the all NBA teams that that wouldn't qualify that are pretty shocking you know one of them being the quote-unquote best player in the world I call mm-hmm. him that Giannis Antetokounmpo 63 right 63 games 63 yep. games that's not 65 KOC no, not 65, so he's not going to be an all NBA <laughs> player LeBron James isn't going to be all NBA. Mm-hmm. Steph Curry's not going to be yeah. all NBA. Lillard wouldn't have been either, or Jimmy Butler. Right. So if we had the, those are five guys. Yeah. Right. That's a whole, that's, that's that's a, a whole that's team. A, that's a whole team. <laughs> we lost the whole team. So what what does this look like moving forward? And then another wrinkle that's fascinating is next year it's positionless. So first team, which only, I love by the way. I, I love I, it too. I love that. I've I, wanted that for years. I know you want I know. that. I know yeah, you love know. that. But <laughs> next year, right? We're going to have Jokic and Embiid. And Giannis probably <laughs> all in the first team. That's 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 a nice team, but those are all bigs. You know what I mean? So maybe we have an all big team. It'll be very interesting to me next year to see if anybody has, and I did this year, mm. a different top five on their MVP ballot compared to a different five for the All NBA ballot. Oh yeah, there's subtle differences in what each award and recognition means right so I'd, I'd just be curious to see if that ends up happening there's a lot year. of nuance in the nba awards that's what i've learned yes. over the years you yeah. know what i mean it's, and shout out to bill simmons he would always try to you know break down the codes for me <laughs> i'm like well why can't this happen he's like here's why Let, let's uh <laughs> let's talk about two pieces of, of news here uh to, to end this segment here tate uh, coach k hired oh. hired in the nba as a special advisor just checking my notes here special advisor to NBA basketball organization operations. Mm. It's a new title, brand new, made up right. for, for Coach K, a longtime coach of Duke. You're a North Carolina guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just to make that clear. Yes. What do you what do you think is the significance of this role for Coach K heading to the NBA? I think, you know, in a league that is being marred by flopping and charges <laughs> and uh dramatic acting. 
Mr. K is the man for the job. I think he comes in. I think he knows yeah. exactly how to handle this. In fact, I think he emboldens everybody around him to double down. Um, this is great news for Marcus Smart. This is great news for Draymond Green. Um, no, I'm kidding a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, it's cool for K. A it's little bit kidding. A little bit kidding. Uh, it's, it's cool for K. I'm excited for him. We're going to see him. Apparently, he's going to the general manager's meeting. He'll be at the NBA draft combine. So, you know, if you thought that we were done with K after we saw him in the final four lose to North Carolina don't worry <laughs> he's still around so we'll see him at the NBA well I mean good for coach K I guess he, was, he doesn't get too excited by golfing all day and watch, he doesn't play it. golf KOC that's <laughs> yeah. the thing he needs a hobby and turns out his hobby is hanging out with Adam Silver <laughs> and rewarding flopping so he's, congratulations. He's, he's, he's not watching Netflix he's not watching no. FanDuel TV he wants to work he wants right. to be in the gym in the office with a ball in his hands. Right. So we'll see what he can actually end up doing. You mentioned the NBA Draft Combine. Mm. We get the lottery next week, the Combine to follow. Tons of college players, international players from around the world are going to be heading to Chicago to meet with teams, work out, and everything else. You host One Shining Podcast right. on the Ringer Podcast Network. Big college basketball guy. Who is the college player that you think NBA fans need to know with everything that we're seeing in the playoffs right now? Like, like who's the guy that fans need to know? Yeah, for better or worse, we all know Brandon Miller, right? So everyone knows Brandon Miller, the talent, and then the storyline behind that. Um, but I think Anthony Black would be the one I circle. Coming out of Arkansas, I loved. I watched him at the Maui Invitational in person. Uh, I love the way that he's able to initiate offense. I mean, this guy's six foot seven, legit. Maybe six foot eight with the hair. Um, <laughs> got a great handle. Has uh, a lot of untapped potential, and also just with their team, they had so much talent with the must bus at Arkansas that I don't think that he was able to kind of become the full version of who Anthony Black can be because of the amount of shots that were needed by other guys. Obviously, they had Nick Smith, another guy mm -hmm. who was going to be a lottery pick. So in general, I just think Anthony Black can really be a superstar in this league and his ability to guard the the one, the two, and the three, and potentially the four at his size. That's special, right? That's a very unique quality. So if you don't know the name Anthony Black, I think that's one you would circle right there. And that's so important, those those types of qualities. Connective passing, defensive versatility, big right. size as a playmaker, six seven, six. Competitive eight. too. Oh, I mean the I kid know. is super competitive. Tough. He'll take a charge. Yeah. I mean, like yeah, he'll be good at rating Coach K's NBA World. Absolutely. As well some of the flopping yeah. and embellishing. He, yeah, <laughs> whipping that head back, you know what I mean? That's what you gotta he's do, Cam. That's how rips. you get that's how you get the free throws. <laughs> he's, that's he's, how it works. You gotta do it. Yeah, you right. Gotta do you can do it. You got to do it. I think with him, the other guy who comes to mind for me is somebody who kind of popped a little bit on social media this week, and that's Cam mm. Whitmore out of Villanova. Yeah. Superb athlete, you know, a high leaper. And the photo was posted by P3 of him just skying over, you know, everything that they have for the athletic testing equipment right. with the high jump. I'm not so sure he'll actually do the medical testing or the athletic testing at the combine as a projected top 10 pick. However, I don't think we really need to see those numbers to know that this guy is a freakish athlete. And if you watched him at Villanova when he got back and got healthy, if you watch, I watched his first game back, and you know the question was, oh, they got this guy that's supposed to be a top five talent. Let's see what he looks like. Immediately, he hit a step back three KFC. Like the first thing I saw him do, and I'm like, okay, you have my attention. Next possession down, guy gets a steal, goes down, gets a dunk. I'm like, okay, we checked all the boxes. Cam Whitmore. 
lottery-level talent. It didn't necessarily um, translate to winning just because Justin Moore was hurt. Villanova just had yeah, some lot, issues. Lot Kyle Neptune's yeah. first year, right? So it, it didn't really affect the bottom line. But if you watch Cam Whitmore, you could tell early on he really is the real deal. And there's a lot of teams that I think salivate over the idea of being able to plug and play him. And his shot will get better. Um, and I think he could be a legit star, maybe second, third option, you know, on a on a real contending team in the NBA. I'm looking forward to talking a lot more NBA draft with you over the coming weeks. Can't coming wait. up on the next segment here, bringing on Jay Kyle Man, your co-host on One Shining Podcast, my, guy. my co-host on the Ringers <laughs> NBA Draft Show. We share the greatness of Jay Kyle Man. Now he's going to be on Beyond the Art coming up next, talking about the NBA draft lottery. Can't wait. Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddle boards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to Beyond the Arc with the NBA Draft Lottery coming up next Tuesday. Here's my conversation with Jay Kyle Mann from the Ringers NBA Draft Show talking about the three teams with the most to gain on Draft Lottery Night. San Antonio, I feel like, is a team that has, if you look at their roster, you're kind of like, okay, I don't really know, speaking of a map of the lottery on the team side of this, they're a team that like when you look at the roster you're like you don't really know what the map is you know and I feel like to go from that sort of void of form state that they're in um and to move into something that makes sense that could set a road map I feel like they are in a in a position to sort of gain some if, if they can get one of those top three picks I feel like they are in a position to sort of gain some certainty that they've been without, you know, I feel like they've been without, without that ever since like their, their veteran transition out of the trans out of the franchise where, you know, DeRozan sort of grew his game and moved on. LaMarcus Aldridge moved on. I feel like San Antonio in, in their pursuit of like finding certainty, they have a lot to gain. Whereas these other teams are sort of trying to bolster what they have. And I think that's a sure. big thing. That makes total sense. Like with Detroit, they have Cade. You know, Houston, they just drafted Jabari Smith. They got Jalen Green. Charlotte's got LaMelo Ball. Portland, you know, uncertain future with Damian Lillard, but they do have Dame. And if they, even if they were to trade Dame, they'd get a haul in return. You know, the Magic are in good shape. The Pacers have Halliburton. And the Wizards, I mean, I think they have a lot to gain, too, in, in terms of the, what you're talking about there and having a roadmap. Utah is set up well. Uh, Chicago. I think they have a lot to gain as well. Oklahoma City, they're set up well. I'm with you, Kyle. I, I think the Spurs right now, they have some good young talent. You know, I, I like what they have. Um, you know, I think Devin Vassell is one of the more underrated young players in the entire NBA right now. The progress that he has made each season of his career uh, has been incredibly impressive. Like Jeremy Sohan, uh, the guy like uh, Keldon Johnson, they get a lot of talent on that team, but they don't have the guy 
that you're talking about here. And and whether it's Wemby at number one or whether it's a Scoot Henderson or one of the Thompson twins, somebody like that could kind of define the character of this team into the years to come. The Spurs, I think they they nail it like in, in terms of the lens that you're looking at. You know, I think another lens to look through is, you know, some of these teams that are already set up well, you know, that already have some good things going for them. How can they take the leap from very good positioning to, oh, we're we're suddenly in a position to compete for years to come? And Dallas is the obvious choice there, where you already have Luka, uh, one of the best players in all of basketball. If they were to slide up to number one and you pair Wemby with Luka, that obviously goes without saying how magical that combination would be with those two guys. But even if they were to go up to number two or number three or number four, whether they use that pick to draft a young guy to pair with Luca or flip that pick in a trade, Dallas is a team, you know, after tanking their way out of the play-in at the end of the season and getting the fine for doing it, if they were to move up, they're a team that suddenly could, I think, really propel themselves back into that upper class in the Western Conference that they have so quickly fallen out of. Yeah, talking about the Wimby, the Wimby Luca thing. I just can't. I just uncontrollably laugh if I even imagine. Can you that, imagine, but, dude? Like, <laughs> oh my goodness, so ridiculous! That, oh, like, what do you do? I don't know, man. Because they they would fit together. That's the that's the thing. Like, they really <sighs> would fit together. That would be really an an international. It'd be a better version of what we imagined he would be like with uh, Porzingis. You know? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. And and I was telling you when I got on Tankathon earlier, the first spin that I did, Dallas rose to the top, and I was just sitting alone in my office, and I just like threw my hands in the air, I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> just just the thought of that is crazy. Yeah, it's what's wild. Like if that were to happen next week, like if you know they're pulling out the cards, and you see New Orleans fourteen, Toronto thirteen, Oklahoma City twelve, Orlando eleven, and then Utah comes up at ten, you'd be like, I would lose it. If Dallas moved to the top four, <laughs> like, I can't imagine the the reaction in the room when that could happen. It, it's it's just absolutely insane to think about. Your guy Elon would have to get some more people on do on server duty that night because I feel like that would break Twitter. I, I can't. <laughs> it would break Twitter. Yeah. I can't. Uh, yeah, that's that would that would be insane. I think you hit on something though. That's interesting when we're talking about gaining and losing. I think with the Luca specific the thing, obviously you're supporting your your star and uh, you're you're looking. You're in a some some of these teams are in more of a, a superstar. T- there's more like they're more desperate to a- attain the superstar talent thing. The Wizards are a funny one to me just because, and I keep thinking about that Spencer Dinwiddie burn that he threw Kyle Kuzma's way. He was like, "You guys have three max players, but you didn't make the playoffs." Um, <laughs> uh, and I was just thinking, the Wizards for all their for all of that, you know, perceived. We talk about roadmaps. You've got these guys here, and it's almost like, is it real? Like, because if you have those guys, you shouldn't be in the position to think. Circling back to talk about the best available thing, I was looking at them and trying to decide who should just take best available, and I still think the Wizards should do that, despite them having three max players, like like Spencer Dinwiddie said. When it comes to best available, it isn't isn't best available relative in the sense that. Like what's best available to you may have to do with your current roster. Like what I'm saying is, is like a, like it, there's no such thing as like a consensus list 
of best available for each respective team with their priorities and their philosophy and their current state of the roster. I I think, you know, I had a conversation with an executive years ago. You saying that makes me think about it. When it comes to this, like, of course you draft for need because need factors into who the best available players are. Uh, so I, I guess I'm just curious, like with Washington, you know, related to them specifically, they currently have the eighth best odds. What is best available for them? Like, what do they need? Is it everything? Like, as in, like, the, the, every type of need <laughs> applies to them? Uh, whereas, like, for some teams, that's not the case. Like, with Detroit, you can say they already have Ivy. They already have Cunningham. They already have ball handlers. Maybe you lean towards somebody who complements them as the best available talent for Detroit. Whereas with Washington, it's like, whatever we can get, baby, like, we'll take it. Well, I just think that like the the best available versus it, it all just kind of comes down to what you're what you have nailed down to what you're committed to. Because if you if you do draft best available, I, I mean, there are some things that enter into it. You know, you can get into a situation where maybe uh, let's see, I had this written down because I was thinking about this. It, you know, if the main thing that you want to avoid is dissonance at, at a position because that adds that creates situations where maybe the player doesn't play, which creates a chain reaction of maybe you have a young player that's not getting to play. Maybe they get unhappy. Maybe it makes an older player unhappy that the player's there. Like it just creates a lot of questions that uh, maybe you had the stomach to deal with those. Maybe you don't. I mean, you look at the you look at the Warriors. I don't know that it's necessarily it's it wasn't a dissonant thing. It was more of a you know they deemed Jonathan Kaminga the the bet the highest upside pick at that spot, and he just wasn't ready to play in their system. Maybe it was a bad fit. Ultimately, they misread the situation. Um, I I just think specifically if we're talking about the Wizards, I don't see any of those players and think like I'm so married to the 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 situation we have here. Like I'm so certain. I have such a level of certainty about what we have here that I'm willing to uh, pass on somebody for this uh, for the reason of dissonance. Like I don't I don't think I would be thinking like that if if I were them. I would I would just be trying to take the highest talent available, um, whether that fit with what I have or not. Like I wouldn't be worried about the issues that it could create. Create. Thank you for watching Beyond the Arc on FanDuel TV. We'll be back next Tuesday talking about the NBA playoffs. The conference finals are starting, and the NBA draft lottery will be coming up again, too.